Hello and welcome to episode 493 of Paper Tuesday with Mark Halpin and Michael Dwyer. Nice of you to join us. How are you keeping? Uh, <laughs> are you talking to me? Right <laughs> I'm good. Uh, Mark, we must start with this show with an apology. Mm. Uh, in a recent episode, I think it was on Patreon, I said mm. that I had a problem with bingo. I played mm. bingo last night and I enjoyed every single second of it. Really? It was because, as you mentioned earlier, it was the local factor. Gary Malloy, my good friend, was the presenter mm. and I was glued to the screen for the whole of it. Yeah, it was refreshing. It. Yeah, yeah, it mostly um, it has to be a sort of do- local factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a boring game. Yeah, Bingo. I'm. It's it, what I love is it's another Irish phenomenon. We were talking about how our president likes dogs, but the other thing is we could have a global pandemic and we can just find something that we like. So we just like every parish has decided let's just have the online bingo and it's a great money spinner and people love it. Yeah. We're a strange species, aren't yeah. we? Like banana bread, bingo. Yeah. But these things come out of nowhere and then everyone jumps on them yeah. for no real reason. Like it's just, oh, like monkey see monkey do that. <laughs> like bingo isn't the fun. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, why aren't we doing bingo? That looks great. Like, <laughs> so they're doing bingo we have to do bingo yeah he's making banana bread i have to make banana bread yeah and we like coming up with our unique take because because uh, thankfully because of the success of paper chooses um i've been on namaste i've been on <laughs> i was trying to think of a symbol for respect and i couldn't i was gonna do a gang sign and i was like that's the wrong route um i was on 2fm there and i'll be on 2fm in a few weeks time and i was researching uh, articles from a, a leinster that we represent as paper Tuesdays and um we, I came across Duro has Scarecrow Bingo. You know, so every parish has to come up with something different and Duro has an annual Scarecrow Festival. Mm. So um, this little leash village has just clung on to the Scarecrow as their badge of identity. And now uh, they're even u- using it for their bingo. So. Do we have Scarecrows here? I know you never see them around not, here. No, they're not as popular, are they? No. We you, can do it once. Yeah, it'd be uh, interesting, wouldn't we it? We have a serious crow problem out on that wire out there, actually. That's... So when I look back at these videos, we always seem to be looking out that window there. And that's because that's where all the action is. There's birds and sometimes the dog is out there digging holes. Sometimes mm-hmm. Mick is out tending to the flowers. Anything could happen. It really is just, it's captivating and we need to start pulling down the blinds. All right. <laughs> but where the, was crows, the, the crow. The crow. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, there's like at least fucking 200, 250 crows that come to my house every evening, every morning and evening. And uh, Brendan is building a house beside us. And he has said that when he's upstairs in the house, he looked down to the backfield and the crows were like doing a roll call. So there was like groups, like sections of different crows. And it was like they were going amongst each other. Like it was like a roll call. And then they all took off. Wow. Crows are really fucking smart. Yeah. Like it make you think then about like other people who say stories about like, you know, they shot crows or hit a crow with a hurdle or like yeah. acting weird. Like I know a fellow who had a pet crow once. Uh, he was like he's older like and he i think he was injured or something but he kept it as a pet in his garage and i wonder is that like give him good karma with the crows like the yeah. crows now looking out for him i seen a crow this is all episodes gonna be about crows i seen a crow <laughs> and a duck fight today oh in arclo yeah it was probably the most uh intense fight in arclo this of course week. what happened in arclo <laughs> but like this crow the duck was on the grass and then the crow came down and scared the ducks and the ducks didn't didn't even put up a fight like the crows were like our ducks like okay we're gone right crows are bastards yeah genie man they are the aggressor that's unreal they're the floods <laughs> of the bird world <laughs> Here, uh, Parish of the Week, Mark, we go to Across the Water and we go to Albion and Boone County in Nebraska. Yeah. 
and St. Michael's Parish there in Albion will be has held its annual St. Patrick's Day roast beef and sausage dinner. And for that reason, I think they're worthy of the Parish of the Reek Award, given the St. Patrick's Day festivities that are taking place in a virtual fashion this year. Mm-hmm. Well, they're making sure that the, the dinner will continue in a takeout fashion and meal deliveries are um, available for those that are um, isolating in their homes. And an online auction is being held as well. And it's all because of St. Patrick. He got rid of the snakes here and now he's bringing roast beef and sausage to the parish of St. Michael's in Albion. So fair play to them. Why? Why? <laughs> this is again, why? <laughs> why roast beef and sausage? Yeah, did they associate that with Ireland? Roast beef and sausage? Yeah. Maybe, actually. But then again, like there, there's a lot more you could go up higher on the list associated with Ireland before you get the roast beef and sausages. Like, you go to the Nationalist Mark, right? And it's a good Carlo paper. Worrying trend as Carlo people searching for far right topics. Mm. I didn't think this would come out of Carlo. Yeah. I, th- I thought far right topics would be looking in the corners for something. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no, it's uh, the, this research anyway just, uh, has found that Carlo is uh, reporting one of the highest rates for online searches of far right and white supremacist material in Ireland, one of the top three counties, including Dublin, Carlo, and Longford. They found more than 9,000 individual searches from Irish users for far right topics during the six month period. Have you ever searched for anything with far right? Yeah, what is yeah. a far right topic? <laughs> <laughs> but look, um, what constitutes that's a far what right I thought. Topic? Yeah, white nationalist and far right extremist search traffic. Um, oh, from material that included propaganda, extremist music, extremist music, <laughs> attempts to join or contact extremist groups, and common extremist conspiracy theories. I don't know why you have. <laughs> I don't know, maybe they just yeah. There's a they are uh, interesting. Common extremist conspiracy theories is flat earth one of those? Ooh. Uh, well, that has to be an extremist yeah. conspiracy theory. Yeah. Is there any that you believe in conspiracy theories? Uh, well, well, what what's a conspiracy theory? <laughs> I probably have taken so much. In. Is there um, anything you believe that is being? Uh, hidden from you or the general public. Oh, that may be a truth that is benefiting somebody else. Oh, right. Um, oh, I think there's, I think, yeah, we discussed aliens last week. I'm happy enough with aliens. I, mm. I think there were moon landings, mm. and I, like you, I kind of just enjoy the flat earth thing just to see <laughs> someone get so excited about it. But no, no, I'm happy enough that the world is round. Um, so, yeah, what about you, Mark? Yeah, I'd be uh, the same. I don't really buy into conspiracy theories. Yeah. I don't even really like what pay attention to what's going on in the world at all. <laughs> um, but uh, the flat earth stuff is funny. Like, you watch them sort of, uh, what's it called? When you, what's it called when you prove yourself wrong? But that's what they do anyway. They prove themselves wrong on, by conducting their experiments. So if you watch, oh, like, right. you watch them do these experiments to prove that the earth is flat, earth is flat and then they end up proving that they're self defeating. Like, yeah, right. self okay. Like yeah. any experiment they've conducted, like this is going to show that it's flat. Someone from Black Lives Matter in Carlo um, said, said that there were people setting up fake Facebook pages posting false allegations and saying me and my friends will be coming with our white hoods started posting um, Ku Klux Klan pictures calling us uh, black people uh, we're going to leave out that word um, so yeah uh, this person was uh, thought that racism 
uh, has resulted in people being more brazen about it and people are more open about it online. Um, so there you are. That's um, interesting. Yeah, Carlo is Carlo. a racism hotspot. Yeah. I'd love to know what parts, because like you've Carlo <laughs> town, all right, Carlo's fairly urban area, but like you go into mm. the wilds of the countryside, you know, Ballon. <laughs> I, I didn't think there was any racism there only good chicken rolls like, yeah you know? that's all they have in Ballon yeah. isn't it yeah you never know you never know when the sun goes down yeah that's, speaking of you never know um, you can never know when you're posting stuff either sometimes things can be labelled other things so in the Leash Nationalist drugs labelled pillows that were destined for Leash and four other counties have been seized with the help of a sniffer dog revenue were delighted when they discovered large quantities of cannabis herb and related products and the drugs were seized at Dublin Mail Centre and they were addressed to places including Leash, Dublin, Galway, Kerry and Sligo. Um, so the parcels were declared as pillows, sports shoes, custom stationery and wine tubs. Wine tub? I've never heard of mm. that. No. Yeah. Um, so revenue said the parcels originated in the USA and that investigations are ongoing. USA. <laughs> Those pillows were not on the right of Halvin Furniture, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Drugs are becoming more prevalent, Michael, in our society today. Do you think? I, I think so, yes. That's a very refined statement of coming from the back. <laughs> I, I was struck by, you know, when you were growing up, I don't know, in secondary school, you'd have to write about fibin and the druggie. And I, I never thought it was a fibe, you know, I just... Why is fibin a problem? Problem, okay, yeah. see, I don't pass. The problem <laughs> we, just, we just took drugs. <laughs> the problem of drugs, but like, I, uh, I don't know. Why do you think is it because it's such a commonplace item? Yeah, or maybe it's just what well, now drugs in general. Drugs, yeah. Drugs are everywhere. Like you think about anything that changes your mental state is sort of a drug. Like coffee is a drug. Mm. Alcohol is a drug. Mm. Obviously, the sugar. illegal sugar is a drug. The cannabis is illegal. Or sorry, all the illegal drugs enter your alter your state of consciousness as well. But and some of them, people are like oh this is legal and that's not it's like well some are more dangerous than others like yeah cocaine and heroin pro- aren't the same as paracetamol yeah like brendan you know. kelly kind of went with that mm. that's definitely being in his bonnet you know when he <laughs> said that some people say you know um they, but uh, some people forget how rigorously things are tested but yeah yeah but they forget how fun the other drugs are <laughs> <laughs> no brendan <laughs> no. <laughs> um yeah look drugs are always going to be there are they going to legalize them eventually probably yeah. i think because aren't i think switzerland passed a bill recently to make cannabis legal or doctors can prescribe cannabis without uh seeking government led government um signature or whatever so right. gps can just give it out so i'd say we'll probably go that way eventually too hmm. which is fine like if we can actually sell it and tax it more power to us no yeah mm-hmm. Another news in uh, Wicklow, a golden eagle who has been missing for over a week has been found safe and well. The eagle named Caelan escaped from his enclosure in Newcastle last Wednesday and owner John Nugent will put out a nationwide appeal in an effort to find his beloved bird. Um, so um, he can't believe he found him. He found him south, a, a kilometre from where he went missing and um, he jumped straight onto his arm and would not let go. I even had to go through a ditch and he gripped my arm like he never did before. I don't know who's more delighted, him or I. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Birds of prey aren't fucking puppies. 
this is all did the birds say that did the birds say oh and then i seen john and i was so delighted that the man who gives me the dead rats was back fucking hell like people the audacity of human beings is unbelievable <laughs> our own self-importance astounds me fucking hell i go a fucking eagle <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Actually, now it's come up. I, I thought I had another article, but I just have a, a junk email like from Roman Byland who says he wants to conduct a dental survey with Navy and a GA club. Have a good look at him now. Roman. <laughs> nice to have chompers on him. <laughs> so there you are now. The story holds up. Which one? His teeth. You know oh, his teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, capping between words, Mark. Yeah, this gets me. Now, was this Alec Baldwin's? Or is no, this, this separate, is separate. Okay, right. capping between words. Go on. So, have you ever seen someone on like a talk show or a reality TV show and they're like, you can't fucking say that. And they speak like this because they think that they're, what they're saying is so important. But if you actually have to clap to get attention for the sentence you're saying, what you're saying isn't important. Right. Do you know what I mean there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you see it on game shows, all right? Don't do that or, you know... Try no, but, to get... And you see, I've seen on social media people putting that meme, or the, sorry, the emoji in between the words they're saying is like, oh, right. don't like... Previously, we got just photos. And is that like in between caps lock words? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's so um, condescending to the reader, right? isn't it? It's like, everyone else is stupid except me, so I have to put these claps for them to look... <laughs> Well, maybe they know that's what the algorithm wants. Or oh, I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe that's the kind but of emojis. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just that's a, just a word of advice. If you want me to pay attention to you, don't clap at me. <laughs> or Michael, don't clap. Don't, don't clap at him. <laughs> well, speaking of, um, thanks to Bree Brown who sent us in a video from Today FM, D- uh, Dermot and Dave. They had a video with Elon Musk's mother. And she confirmed that the child's name is X. So we can spread X. the word. It's You can just pronounce it X. But it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine him saying it. You do a very good Elon impression, actually. You didn't last oh, day. Yeah, I should have complimented it, but I didn't think of that time. <laughs> you the aliens. Yeah. You're like, if the aliens if come. So come. <laughs> New evidence. Yeah, New yeah. evidence. He's, he's American, isn't he? Yeah, but Dutch roots. Oh. Very a, a Dutch way of thinking, you know. The Dutch were great, I think, you know. Mm. They're very um, enterprising back in the day. There was a, um, yeah, anyway, that's a, another trade story routes. we could say for another day. Yeah, straight trade routes yeah. and uh, their their ability. Sure, didn't they? Um, the opium, um, the, the opium crash. There was the, the they, a lot of them had opium farms, mm. and they gave it to China or something, was it? Yeah, something. How opium and the? Oh, I'm definitely not explaining any of this right. The flowers, the poppy seeds. Poppy seeds, yeah. That's how they make heroin. I think that's how they made opium as well. Oh, right. So there's the connection. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Anywho, uh, is nostalgia worthwhile? I uh, I don't really know how to expand much on this, but I, I just thinking like, is it worth your while looking back on the past and how great it was at all? Like, you know, you see people posting throwbacks of when they were on holidays or when we were allowed to do stuff in uh, previous years when there was no COVID and all just be, or, like just sitting there thinking to yourself about how great your teenagers were. Like, yeah. is it worthwhile? Like, obviously, it was fun that you had teenagers and stuff. But if you're spending your 20s thinking about your teens, 
are you not wasting your 20s yeah that's interesting mm. i yeah i i'd have to agree to a certain extent all right because um if you look back too much then you kind of become over identified maybe with the past and if mm. you forget that you have the future you're probably more you're probably better off focused on the future but not overly focusing on the future either maybe if that makes sense in that you don't want to become obsessed with the future because then you're over obsessed with a goal does that you're not enjoying the present then yeah yeah see because it's so hard to tell isn't it because there's so much like advice out there it's like learn from the past but plan for the future yeah but live in the present yeah it's like i can't do all those fucking things no i just want to watch youtube and relax (laughs) i have to say that reminds me of something that i came across with um naval ravikant which would be the recommendation of the Mm. week he has this um i don't know he has a podcast anyway and he sends out the transcript via email so Mm. this popped into my um inbox today and i liked it he said that happiness is more like poetry than algorithms and the reason is that uh, if you read 50 poems by the same poet and try to map them out um it doesn't you'll miss the point by their words or their sentences the important thing is to ponder the overall thought process and the message Mm. so i think that's what's demanded of us when we think of how to how to navigate our lives how to uh, think treat the past present and future um you know, to take, yeah, I, I, I don't know, because like you, Mark, I am, I am, I, I love self-improvement and I, I see, I soak myself in a warm bath of it every day, really. Uh, that's probably <laughs> vivid language. <laughs> but um, if you overdo it, then you're, you're missing the point. You're not seeing the wood from the trees. as that expression you gave me a while ago. But like it's, it does, I find, connect you more, to the present and um yeah mm. to look at it all open an yeah. overall thing that yeah. even even the present will be the past someday yeah so it's like one big song and you're like or not a song but like your life is a field and you're in a helicopter looking down on the field yeah mm. okay but you also live in the field you're and you're all, also yeah. flying the helicopter <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i seen the video of someone getting killed by a helicopter the other day <laughs> awful he was walking down a hill like a helicopter road here and he ran down the hill and like hit him like here oh alec baldwin's like wife hilaria mm. so this is on a podcast i seen because you brought up some about alec baldwin yeah last week mm. his wife her name is actually hillary not hilaria oh, right. and she she claims to be spanish but she isn't oh, right. she puts on a spanish accent and there's videos of her on youtube uh anyone who watches the your mom's house podcast with Tom Segura. That's where I seen it on the clips of that. And she uh, is in a video doing a cooking video and there's a cucumber on the table and she's like picking, talking about the ingredients goes, and uh, how do you say in English cucumber? And she's lived in America her whole <laughs> life, grown up speaking English. Her name's Hillary. That's gas. Yeah. Right. So that's <laughs> like what, like, fame can do to you i suppose like right. you need a hobby yeah because i don't think she, them another like, i don't think she was famous beforehand she married alec baldwin i oh, think she was just a regular right. you know, she's from a wealthy family or whatever yeah and i think she might have gone on like her summers in spain or whatever yeah and she just is now living this persona of being a spanish person yeah but she's not like <laughs> how do you say in english microphone 
<laughs> That's gas. Yeah. And did you know that one of Alec Baldwin's children is called Ireland? Ireland. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I can I, I tried to look on our Wikipedia page for any connection to Ireland, but no, not really. There we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, causes or today we speak less about death than previous generations. That was a quote from psychiatrist Jim Lucy that I read recently, mm. and I I was surprised he didn't have a footnote but mm-hmm. I, I i don't know can you really say do we speak less about death than previous generations can we really say for sure we probably treat death drift bro we probably <laughs> treat death differently but like that's i'm sure every generation treats death differently so yeah i definitely do. i think i talk about death way too much yeah <laughs> well stoicism is all about death though isn't yeah. it and like you sample a bit of stoicism every day so mm-hmm. like you're going to meet that head on yeah memento mori is a big uh philosophy of it you see it the whole time in stock is stoicism and it's uh it means something along the lines of uh the death death is death is imminent basically death d-e-t-h d-e-a-t-h that's how you smell it is imminent so like every day you sort of remind yourself that this is temporary you're going to die so there's no point in being upset anyway yeah but uh I think we do view death differently because we live longer maybe than other generations yeah yeah, that is true. That is true. Because there's something about it. Yeah. Yeah. It happened more often, maybe. Or it was more well known that you weren't going to live forever. Whereas mm. now we don't realize it as much because death is probably less common than it was. Yeah. We experience it less. And I I think we view death wrong as well, for the most part. Like, it's not, it happens to everyone and it's going to happen to everyone. Unfortunately, it's going to happen to me, it's going to happen to you, it's going to happen to my dog, it's going to happen to my whole family, your whole family, sorry. But, like, <laughs> everybody is going to die eventually. So, like, and it's the only thing that's actually certain, so why are we upset about it? It's, like, any, there's, everything else is variable. Yeah, Death is going to happen. Yet yeah, that's what we worry about, the thing that is definitely going to happen. Yeah, And we do all this other shit to distract ourselves from it. Mm. But I don't think it's bad we do other shit to distract ourselves from it. I think that's what you should sort of aim for, is to find yeah. something so engaging that you forget you're going to die. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. That's like hitting the wrong home run when you land on a quote like that. <laughs> Boom. That's great. 10 out of 10. Mm. Here, since we're on death, uh, we'll just stay with a little bit because Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I listened to the audiobook recently after numerous recommendations and it was really eye-opening. And um, I, I just was struck by how people reacted to the survivors of the concentration camp. We've suffered too. We didn't know that they were doing that to you. You know, like who said that? Like these were these were re- reactions that like Victor and other people that survived the concentration mm. got got when they got, went back to their normal lives. Mm-hmm. Like they, it wasn't a straightforward assimilation back into society. It mm. was more they were met with you know, a, sure we we've had it bad too. You know mm. because I'm sure it was bad, but like they probably didn't they probably didn't understand that the, the depth of um, how gruesome those. Uh, her um, concentration camps were. Yeah, it's probably better to know real suffering, isn't it, than to have superficial suffering like the people on the outside had. Where oh, we suffered, but like you didn't really. Whereas I'd say to people who are in the camp, were like we actually did, and we made it through. And like those people don't really understand what it is to suffer, so they probably will suffer indefinitely. Because I'd say the people who are in concentration camps appreciate more what it's like to not be suffering. Like they're living the lives of the people on the outside now, whereas the people on the outside now think their life is hard when it's really yeah. not in comparison 
yeah. they're able to appreciate things better. Like these are dark. Like I'm sure even our subject matter is dark, but they, that man's search for meaning was dark, and uh, Gulag Archipelago, which I'm currently listening to the audiobook as oh, well. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. that is dark. Probably darker mm-hmm. because just like the, it, the, the way it's structured is more an account of what went on in Soviet Russia, whereas the other one is a man's a, a personal journey, a man's search for meaning, whereas mm-hmm. this Gulag Archipelago captures everything that was going on in Soviet Russia with um, in the Gulags and how how just, oh, it is dark. How, the, how, actually, the author's purpose is to show how the human heart is, there's a thin line that runs down it between good and evil and, mm. you know, how, how thin that line is. Mm. And um, to be honest, just from, so even though the subject matter is, you would wince from reading it, mm. it, it, like earlier, it makes you appreciate everything a, lot, a whole lot more. Mm. There's no way that you can whinge about the little trivial matters of life when you've seen what other people can do. And then if you can preserve your spirit and preserve your own outlook on life, then you'll probably um, get a, enjoy a richer satisfaction from life, maybe. Mm. Probably, like I'm only, I'm still only in the early stages of listening to it, but like that's my initial thoughts. And I hope that they do make some form of uh, sense. Oh, they do. Uh, that's very a very good explanation. I've never read the book. I mean, it, but it's very heavy, like, like it's an important message that one that the line of good and evil is actually in yourself yeah and how you conduct yourself and how you view the world and it's sort of lost on our generation i think and it's definitely lost on me when i was younger uh, until like you know you get to this age or whatever and you start looking into what is the proper way to actually live your life and maybe it's not about blaming your circumstances what's happened to you but it's more about how you respond to it that's how meaningful your life will become on your baseline level of happiness and the happiness isn't to just think positively and ignore anything that's bad or upsets you or that's difficult it's like that stuff exists what is happiness is sort of how you can adapt and overcome those things yeah so you have to acknowledge it unfortunately Mm. Mm. yeah like it's not all just you know self-love and here's my love handles (laughs) i love myself unconditionally that is such a fucking bullshit and it's like (laughs) it's the wrong message to give to people i think right you shouldn't just love yourself like you know what like you steal money from your mother and you eat your feelings away but it's like i love myself anyway so you know that's just a lie like yeah yeah like i i agree but then i think the message of maybe it's just because i'm so hippy dippy anyway but like the idea that you you kind of I don't know, sometimes I forget the message that you know you can read all you like michael but at the end of the day you have to remember that you know you have to love yourself because you, there's Maya Angelou, that's from Tim Ferriss's Five Day, Five yeah. on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Five yeah. on Friday. Five on Friday. Yesterday's one. If if someone, if so, if a naked person is offering you a shirt, um, you know there's something wrong. So like, if you don't have the shirt on yourself, if you're not, if you're not giving yourself enough love, well then you're you're not um, fit to help anyone else. Mm. So while I understand that, you know we can be too quick maybe to just give us the love and forget our own actions we need a bit of the love too and the positive self-regard and all that so mm. i don't know that's the clash that we're probably not going to resolve in this little podcast of ours but we yeah. might be able to get to the bottom of the world of journalism and we're about to be joined by one kathy lee of the gory guardian kathy thanks so much for taking the time out of your saturday afternoon to sit down with us 
Thank you, Cathy. No problem. Very happy to be here, lads. Big fan of the show, so thanks for having me on. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Cathy, you were just telling us about the Christmas FM stuff. So, did you were you actually a presenter on Christmas FM in last year? No, not last. I did get offered but I decided not to because it was just it was pretty busy at work at the time so I just declined but now they're they're really good lads now in in Christmas FM so I think I'll definitely keep all those contacts I made because it's brilliant like what they do every year is fantastic you know yeah yeah no just images of you you know um taking notes at council meetings and then saying driving home for Christmas and (laughs) yeah I I had this uh this t-shirt that I had to wear because you have to literally get in the zone like even I was doing one recording and it was back in god it was like could have been November and or even October and you had to pretend it was Christmas day or Christmas eve and you literally just have to get in the zone so I was wearing this sort of oh yeah what was it now let me think um flamenco bells and it was these flamencos on my t-shirt and they actually had bells and I was like okay this is it so I was like doing my stuff and the bells were jingling and all the rest it was exactly what you were looking for like so <laughs> you just have to get in the zone honestly yeah yeah whatever works good stuff Kathy you've been in the Gory Garda now for at the helm for the last two or three years um what has it been like to look in on a community because you're not from Gory originally so what has it been like to come in as an outsider and immerse yourself in what's going on in North Wexford honestly I have no words to describe it only fantastic like I can't get over how good it's gone because I just think I didn't didn't really know what to expect like I obviously had been to Gory before spent a lot of time down there when I was a kid even my dad and I would just go down for the day's shopping and spend the day there maybe go to court town remember going to court town when there was ice skating out there so that was obviously a while ago but um you know I just when I got in I kind of I knew it was just it was just on me everything was on me I had to fill the paper every week so I said right I'm going to throw myself into this but I will say like Jerry Lacey and Fintan Lamb were brilliant at the start because they they brought me like I remember it was the second day and Fintan Lamb came into the office and I of course didn't know who he was and he was like right we're going out here and you're meeting this that and the other and I was like who are you like and, um, anyway yeah so he brought me around and we met various people around the town and he, like it was brilliant like do you know what I mean and like as much as I was nervous, obviously it was my first kind of maybe I suppose my, my biggest responsibility to date, you know. Um, but within the first month, I think I found my feet and I was delighted to be there because, like, it was literally just the welcome I got was unbelievable. And um, the, I think the local elections were there in May, so I kind of knew myself. I came in the end of March 2019, so I had to get ready for that. I had to meet people. I had to, you know what I mean. So I'm glad there was no pandemic at the time because I needed to be on the ground. So yeah, it was yeah. great. Um, when you bring up someone like Finton Lamb there, like Finton is a wordsmith mm. and such a professional. And yeah. um, like you, you mentioned, you, um, you're big into writing and you have your own blog. I, I know it was more active a few years ago, but like, and you were involved yeah. in the Writers Society in your college, you were chair of that. Um, so when you look at, uh, what I'm trying to say is like okay. someone that's interested in writing and someone like, how does that translate in that into local journalism? Like, because local journalism, yeah. a lot of it is humdrum, just, you know, um, the, the local notes or whatever. So how, how, what is it that lies at the heart of journalism in, in local newspapers? I think like storytelling is the thing. Like I obviously knew from maybe young age that I was good at writing and I wanted to do something that would allow me to write every day, but also have my own creative part at the back of it as well. And I like the way you can kind of differentiate between the two, but there is a bit of crossover. So like sometimes when you get to tell a story in a way 
that you can maybe be a bit poetic about it or kind of go at it from a different angle. Like, you know, there is room for that in a local paper. And I think when it gets too rigid, you nearly lose people because they want to be able to like, you know, see something in the local paper that they won't see anywhere else because it's so unique, you know? So I just like, I've always had an interest in local journalism and um, I just, it's just a brilliant platform. Like, and um, I think like, obviously you do have to do the same more mundane stuff in terms of council meetings and fill the community notes board every week, like that has to be done. But I think once you can kind of tick those jobs off and then concentrate on the other kind of maybe bigger stories or like kind of stories that are maybe harder to reach, that's where you get your reward because, you know, maybe an interesting interview or like somebody who's been cocooning or something like that and what they might have got up to. Like even I'm thinking about following up on a story. I've heard about this little girl who adopted a couple of chickens during the lockdown and she's been raising her chickens and she's named them after Harry Potter characters. So like, <laughs> I just think that's class. Like, I mean, so where will you get it? Only in only in local paper. Like, so. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're constantly have your ear to the ground, like you're looking yeah. for bits about, like how, how do you come yeah. up with a story like that? Or like what? what? Yeah, it, it really can depend. Like as in that story now, I recently um, was judging an essay competition um, for Gore Youth Needs and she just mentioned in their piece about the chickens. And I was like, unfortunately she didn't win the competition but um I was like that's still a story in it so I will kind of follow that up you know because you just as much as you say when you're not in work you take your time out and you know but in fairness like as a journalist you just have your eyes on all the time and even if say you're like consuming other news media you might think of an idea that would have say a local angle on that as well so um yeah I have a story in today's paper about three brothers um who bought their mother a car and they did this um they recorded her reaction like and I spoke to her and she was just amazed even the fact that I'd phoned her and just that she got to talk about this she just thought it was all brilliant and uh, then Jerry Lace went up and got a picture of her with her new car and it's just like those little stories like as much as you know maybe they won't be picked up by the national papers I just think that's such a unique offering and it really means something to people mm. like for me the best compliment you can get is when somebody maybe texts you after an article or gives you a call or an email and says like you really captured what I wanted to say there you know it came out so much better than I thought it was going to come out like how did you do that I just think that's the reward like you know yeah so it's your interest in people really as and, and when you mentioned stories yeah. but like but I'm inferring from your response there like you know it's the, it's the child with the ducks it's the the woman with yeah. the heart, you know it, it's the it's the person uh, really that that lies at the heart of the story Yes, I think like human interest is definitely my strong point. And I just love talking to people, you know, and that's always I, I maybe didn't really notice it when I was younger. But like, you know, the way your parents tell you not to talk to strangers like mm. that was not me, you know, <laughs> and um, I would just talk to anyone. And even I remember telling friends when I was going to study journalism and stuff. And that was one of the first things that said to me, like, obviously that that suits you. Whereas you don't see that yourself until you really think about it. Um, so like all those personal stories, they're the ones that stay with you, you know, like you'll remember bits and bobs from a council meeting and I'm sorry to be dissing council meetings, like they're absolutely fine, but um, it's those stories that stay with you. So that's what I really like to kind of pursue, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any memorable stories or what's been your biggest highlight since starting at the Gory Garden? Gosh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, like there's a couple of kind of series that we did that I really liked. So we did like an environment series um, this summer of 2019. So that was quite good. I kind of took a bit of a lead role on that one. And then in the pandemic, I did a mental health series. So it was kind of stuff that you can maybe prolong a bit and get more out of. Like, I think they're great. But obviously, kind of, there's been brilliant ones off ones as well. Like, do you remember that fella um, in the dinosaur costume that was going around? Oh, um, yeah. Story. 
yeah, so I, I, I tracked him down. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah. give you our, our interview. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he did, like I didn't use his name. Obviously, I know his name, but he wanted to remain anonymous and like did this big article with him and all the rest. And even how I tracked him down was a bit like CSI stuff, you know. <laughs> and even like he sent me a voice note and even I sent it on to the lads in work and they were like, he doesn't sound like real. And I'm like, ah, obviously it's real, you know. But um, yeah, no, it was just hilarious. So that really stood out to me because. It was something that we needed as well because it was just at the start of the pandemic and everyone was just up the walls with fear. So that was just something to kind of break the tension, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd have loved if that was like a Spider-Man situation where the editor was like, find me, find me the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the dinosaur outside deals. <laughs> exactly. Oh, lads, no. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, there's been serious articles that I've enjoyed working on as well. But I think yeah. like one story that really it's kind of followed me, I suppose. Um, when I was 16, I did an article when I was in transition year for actually the People newspapers, um, but obviously the Wicklow people where I'm from here in Wicklow. And um, I interviewed my aunt about my cousin who has autism and he has a guide dog. So it was, that was my first say article that got published. And just because I brought the prop, um, I got this award for it. So um, oh. Yeah, so that's kind of that was that was in 2012. And then last year um, I followed it up and did the interview, but with my cousin, because he's now like 15 and he's progressed so much more socially that he was able to do an interview with me. Mm-hmm. So like it was just like how the dog has impacted, but like in the space of eight years in the difference, because uh, I think the dog is retiring from his job. So like those again, that's human interest, but because it's my family as well, like obviously it did mean that much more to me. But, um, you know, brilliantly. Yeah, that's a great story. I have to ask. Um, I have to ask about Kathy. We uh, yeah. we discussed a few months ago about the Ahare River and its movements. Oh yes. So we'd course. like to know, Kathy. We'd like to uh, paper chooses. We put the hard questions to the journalists. Oh, and yeah. who moved the river, Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm very sorry. There's like you know, I have heard. Um, I was on to inland fisheries, and they are investigating it. But there's a lot on the ground now. You'll find a lot of different opinions flying. But I have a list of about one or two people, I think, who might have done that, you know. But I just have to track them down, really, and maybe doorstep them and see if they'll confess. Okay. <laughs> I hope you're not <laughs> that as... That was a great story, though, as well, yeah. with the dinosaur, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but the, the woman out there in... in a, I was going to say Cahore, in a hair, um, she's the same name as me. So yeah. every time I wrote that article, everyone was just like why are you digging up the river and I'm like no like is in and even I remember the first time that woman rang me she was like hello I'm your alter ego and I was like never had one of those before but uh yeah she was just hilarious she's great yeah gosh um like it's amazing to think that all these stories happen in this like you need to generate new stories in a week like whatever about you know with our podcast we can focus on one but like you you have I'd say it's like spinning plates a lot of time you know you can you can have your the personal interest stories of maybe your cousin and and the, his the impact of the guide dog you can have the river and you can have the council meeting like it must be you must have to multitask anyway oh god yeah like you know and you don't really want to kind of say miss a chance so if somebody rings you you talk to them then you know like the other day I had a phone call from Ashton O'Neill you know the first city star I've been trying to get her for ages obviously she lives in Gorey and she rang me and I was just like oh my god lads I don't have my questions so um I was kind of, like I had the questions from ages ago but obviously I've been trying to get the interview for ages and um I, I was just like in the moment I was like right well I know 
the gist of what I'm going to say so I just kind of had to go for it because sometimes you just don't get second chances to talk to people like so um yeah just with that like that can happen and you might be in the middle of something else but like I kind of I actually get I get kind of given out about it but like we have these baskets and I always have loads of different shapes open in the basket and like the editor says to me would you not just do a story and finish it and I'm like oh but no like I'm gonna get a phone call from somebody else and I'll be in the middle of this and I I love that like I just I love the juggling like but it's probably not that organized but I don't know how my head manages it but like because god knows how many stories we do a week and they're all different sizes different people and you know you have to kind of I suppose set out with what you want to achieve with a story that's always important so once you have that lined up it's just a matter of kind of I suppose getting the different pieces to get you to the end result you know yeah yeah do you ever have to turn stuff down like do is there any like local psychos to ring you the whole time (laughs) I try not to turn people down I'll always listen to people you know um mm. but some stories you just you can kind of tell that's not going to work mm. but I always just beat myself up when I have to do that because I hate saying no to people I really do like it, it just I do it keeps me up at night like you know and um, I remember one fella he came in to me and he was writing a book and um basically he was having problems that um the the document wouldn't save and he had to publish it on someone else's printer and all this and it was just kind of a non-story and I just had to say to him like listen if you launch the book if you finish the book something like that you know what I mean we need something solid here not that your printer's not working like mm-hmm. and um I remember having to ring the editor be like do you mind if I not if I don't do this and like obviously the editor was like obviously don't do it but I was kind of second guessing myself because I'm like I just hate letting people down you know um but yeah, so that that kind of haunted me, even though it shouldn't, but it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you've traveled a good bit and you're um, obviously you're big into social media. And I was just wondering as well, then how um, how does journalism figure in the age of social media and how does local journalism figure in a world that, you know, is is um, far more, what would you say, um, we're more interconnected globally, you know. So, so how does yeah. it remain at the at the heart of why why should it, why does it still hold an importance? Local journalism, okay. But first of all, on social media end of things, like in ways, it's a great tool, you know, because you can say follow a journalist that you really like, or you can kind of keep up as much as you possibly. You can turn on your alerts, say on the phone or whatever. But like, as in, there's other ways. Obviously, that it's, it's been negative too. And I think we saw that at the start of the pandemic when, say, all this sort of falseness was being spread around and nearly journalists had to kind of step up and say listen this is what the facts are like I do think that with social media like there's so many different ways to tell a story now with the different platforms I think that has to be embraced like a news organization that isn't going to go digital first isn't going to survive I suppose I think a lot of the time like local news in particular has been dragging its heels in terms of getting online and getting on social media but I think that's finally changing which is a good thing you know because we have to be where people are at like journalism local journalism every type of journalism has to survive and if that's embracing the online world social media like our lives are online people are dating online do you know what I mean as in they're putting their lives at the internet's peril if you want so um like we have to do that too but like you know just for me I'm sure it's for a lot of other people too like you get so much in a local paper do you know because it is once a week and there's nearly 100 pages usually so, like, even if you're consuming news online, you will always get more 
by getting the paper because there'd be something that maybe you didn't look at because I think a lot on social media and online you can just focus on what you want to read and what you like which is grand you can do that in your own time but I think you're missing the bigger picture then if you don't read if you don't consume something that you didn't intend to consume yeah yeah I like reading the paper as well like not reading digitally because I like like it's more um intimate for some reason I think yeah like I read like a five-year-old as well so I follow the words with my finger. So <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. yeah and so I feel like more involved in it like so so mm. to speak yes and if it's there like it's always in my house like uh, no like plugging or whatever but like the Gory Garden <laughs> is always in my house every week yeah as long as I and I'd always flick through it and I'd see like first of all am I in it <laughs> second of all is there any funny photos and the third is yeah. I know in it so, yeah oh no like getting your photo in the paper in the local paper means so much like even especially when I was doing <laughs> when I was doing that essay competition uh with Gory Utenies like even two essays mentioned that their their pictures were in the paper for their birthday and like these kids were like say nine and ten and I was just like that's what that's what it matters like if these kids are like delighted to see their picture in the paper that's it like you know and even even with me like obviously as you say I'm not from Gory but if I get a, an article in the Wicklow people I'll be delighted just because like oh you know people in Wicklow are going to see that now mm. so it's 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 in it's ingrained in us I think as Irish people more so that we want to see our community represented back to us and that's what it's about mm. yeah because you put us in the, the Gory guards recently mm. and it was deadly it was class like we put it <laughs> Uh, I know I'm like now lads you're happy yeah we were it was an experience and a half like every day yeah it was so fun like the photo shoot with her and yeah getting the (laughs) microphones and posing and like uh, did you get a good response to the article lads oh yeah yeah yeah. people loved it like they got a lot of reactions on uh, Instagram yeah likes and people reading it and stuff you have that or you also have like my grandparents probably finally understood what I was doing you know (laughs) And uh, the you know yeah. you know so uh, that that definitely that's uh, important too like because yeah, yeah. like the audience is just so broad particularly with the local paper paper excuse me uh yeah so I just think like you have to be able to tell the story in a way it's it needs to be understood by the end of it like I think the worst thing a journalist can do is that you've read through an article and you're like I don't know what that's about do you know because yeah. they haven't done their job then in my opinion like you know yeah yeah. Um, we haven't been able to explain what we do. No, like, no. <laughs> my own parents. Like, oh god! General stuff. Apparently, we talk about general stuff. Yeah, they don't really know. But uh, yeah, I know uh, the podcast's going really well, lads. So fair play. She's like, you know, I want to see where it goes next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we are we following the <laughs> <Story> Guardian. <laughs> but like the experience of Gerald Lacey taking our photos, well, like you know, I don't think I've I've laughed in a similar way in a while. You know, it was just uh, it was hilarious. It was great. Yours half squat my half it. squat yeah. yeah he was having none yeah. of that are messing anyway I wanted yeah. to ask him yeah. to get a photo with the yeah. hat and there was no way he would get no. in the photo pair of posers he called us yeah. he was, he was oh really yeah he's not uh, yeah he wouldn't shy in it you know in fairness um, he takes the job so seriously like and oh, yeah. like sometimes I do say to him like do you know Jared? but then I realised that you know it's his passion it's his profession and I remember like sometimes if I'm out saying someone's covering for him and like someone might say to him oh can you get this picture in a certain way and he'd just be like, here now, whereas I know not to say that to him because he'll know how to get the picture. Like, it's not, it's that be like him telling me you should write the article that way. Do you know, like he, he wouldn't appreciate it. So I wouldn't do it. You but wouldn't. I know some people might make that mistake. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, no, we don't, we're not getting it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're you're interested in poetry as well. Um, Kathy, yeah. tell us about that. Do you write a bit, or do you read a lot, or what's the story? I suppose it's a combination, really. Like my degree was arts and journalism, so it was a nice little kind of combination. So, um, basically, like it's a four-year course. So for the first two years, you do your arts and journalism together. And then in third year, we just did journalism and we went on placements and all the rest. And then in final year, we just did our arts subjects and finished them off. So, um, like, obviously, I was with the Gory, Gory? Galway Writers Society, uh, <laughs> NYG. So, like, you know, I think I had an interest in poetry from when I was maybe 15 or 16, like in school. But also we did like a creative writing module in TY. And I wrote a poem at that stage. Like, and, you know, I think... The teacher gave me an A for originality and I was like that's interesting now do you know what I mean I wouldn't have described myself as original now but um so it kind of led from there really and then I went to the Soul Writers Festival um and like obviously you know they've John B Keane's hometown and all the rest and like you know you're just getting immersed in it and it's just it's brilliant and I love these kind of open mic nights and stuff where you can just go and listen to like authentic original poetry mm. so I suppose that's where it started and then like I was putting like I was kind of it was something that I was doing privately I wasn't bringing it anywhere and then I suppose in college I maybe found more people who were interested in poetry like back in in school like if you wrote poetry it wasn't something you talked about like and um I remember like that same teacher who gave me the A for originality she picked me for the to be an ambassador for the arts festival and I was like 16 so I didn't really know what was that but um had to run this event called cosmic poetry and that actually stood to me then when I was in college because we had to run events all the time where you give people like prompts for writing. And like my first year in college, I was the publisher in the Writer's Society. So we were put, putting together booklets. So I'd have to come up with different prompts and themes for the booklets. So people would have to write poetry or creative writing to that theme. And then I'd say edit it and put it together. So then after that, like I was the chairperson the next year and that was obviously busy, but then in, in third year and like I had a bit more time just to do my own thing and I ended up kind of um, going to the National Poetry Slam, which was run by Poetry Ireland and I represented NUIG there. Like, so like obviously a couple of years ago, I'd never talk about this, but it's something that I do and even like my grandmother passed away there last year and um, I wrote a poem for her funeral and even like obviously it was an online funeral but like so many people came back to me saying like geez I didn't know you were inter interested in poetry and I I'd love to get that printed and you know even we're looking at getting the memorial card done now and I'm hoping to get the poem on it and it's just like it requires so much concentration but when you have that creative moment you can't really let it slip and I think that's what maybe people people just expect to kind of sit down and be able to write something but like you have to you have to have something that motivates you to do a poem like because it's, it's just it's very emotional like you know mm -hmm. Mark, hope that answers your question. <laughs> Mark, yeah, no, poetry is interesting. Like Mark has uh, tapped into uh, his poetic uh, streak. Yeah, I wouldn't say mine is more uh, comedic than uh, actual. Oh, right. Okay. Emotion. Like, uh, yeah, I but... do enjoy it. And I do, I used to do it like, I do it for fun. I'd be sitting in work when I used to work in an office and I just, I'd be writing poems and sending them to people. And, no way. And I do it. I used to sit down once a day. I'd write a poem. There was a period of about three months where I just write a poem a day, and I have one recently. I haven't read on the podcast, but it's all sort of very simple uh, rhyming systems, and I just find words that rhyme with other words, put them in order, and it's just it's fun for me. It's fun to play around with these words and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it, like because that's what it's about. I think journalism, poetry, like as in, if you're not enjoying it, if you're not passionate for it, don't do it. Like, do you know what I mean? It's one of those things. Yeah. 
it, it requires a discipline as well uh, mm. but but just to get back to the 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 essence of it like uh, yeah. avian's one that was a beautiful one you know Avian. like my niece, Your niece. yeah I yeah i wrote her a poem yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what we did. Sorry, yeah, we send poems to people who sign up for our Patreon as well. Yeah. So if anyone's listening and wants a poem, just sign up to the Patreon. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I'd love to hear some of your poems now. Do you know, we'll have a little uh, writer session. Oh, I have to get touch with you because I don't keep copies. I just write them and send them <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Artists, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you Ginsburg? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so like when you write poems, do you sort of have to schedule a time? Because I know your job is writing. So do you find it hard then outside of your job? to do your job do you know what i mean to, to do kind of creative stuff like yeah, work. like yeah. creative writing and then your job like is writing is, is that yeah i know it can be heavy on sometimes and like you do as you say you do have to be as kind of like even another lad in work with us he's in the middle of kind of writing um a novel at the moment and like those kind of nanowrimo things where you write for a month and you kind of sit yourself down and do fifteen thousand words whatever it is per day like those are really key because you, you just need to have your head, head in a different place because it's different, you know? Um, like, I, I kind of wish that I took the opportunity in the pandemic to do more poetry. Mm. And I think I probably will, but I, get, I, just, I haven't written since that poem for my granny's funeral. Like, so it's just, it is that discipline, I think, of, of sitting down and, and doing and getting in a different headspace. Like, because I don't know, I think for a lot of the time, like maybe you need to be kind of, in a particular mood or like I remember writing a poem one time at like two or three o'clock in the morning and I think that, that was actually the one I did for the poetry slam and it just it was it was called a political poem and it was all about like a recent election and like abortion and loads of different mad stuff and like that would have only came to me in that moment like because it was it was it you just I don't know I think like a poem is like a build-up of things so you have to be like in a particular zone and I obviously wish that there was more say outlets and I think that in fairness there are kind of more online communities at the moment where you can kind of join in with other writers and I, I tried to go to a couple of them like in the first lockdown and stuff that were on zoom but I just feel like if you're not getting anything out of them don't do it because like your time is your own as well like so yeah, yeah. no I, I would like to get back into it and even as you say the blog hasn't been very active so that could be a way to start I suppose if I was going to concentrate that a bit more you know yeah it's interesting like I have to say I wasn't when you said we were doing we're nearly at the end of this cold shower campaign for 90 mm. days and we don't uh we're not as reliable but we're not as reliant on it all the time but like we, we text into a whatsapp group to say we've done it and that's okay. the stroke of accountability that that few seconds yes it's it's unbelievable you know so i wouldn't be surprised if we if we see more of these type of accountability groups crop up i i can see that becoming yeah. because you know as you say our time is precious we don't have the time to maybe um or the time nor the interest to meet in a monthly book club or monthly writers <laughs> club so maybe um maybe accountability is the way to go because uh, like yeah. I would like to build that as a daily practice uh, of writing I think anyone would like to to be able to find uh, to nurture a discipline in it yeah yeah definitely because like the world we live in today is just there's so many distractions and I think yeah. like it's nearly that you have to kind of take a step back like okay I'm going to turn the phone on to flight mode now because I don't know about you but like I get messages on, off loads of different platforms and you're nearly just flicking from app to app to get yeah. to all the different ones mm-hmm. and you're like I love my friends but I can't keep up that's do you know what I mean um like I have friends from say school college work as well and just it's it's just nearly that you have to kind of take your own time as well and not really apologize for it so yeah. just yeah. Uh, not 
not to brag, but like this did advice I'd give. Oh, good, just, yeah. So I do that. Yeah. Like, I wake up at five and I exercise, and then the phone stays on airplane mode from eight o'clock the night before till seven o'clock the next morning. So the first two hours of my day, I don't get any notifications. I don't look at my phone so that I'm able to think for myself and figure my own stuff out, exercise, get my mind right, do my writing, do my whatever I need to do. And then the phone goes on and then I can check and respond to stuff. So I'm not, my yeah. my mind is clear and I have the hard stuff out of the way before I'm responding to anything. Mm. So that's just a bit of advice. It's just, you know. Very yeah, no, do, I think it's first thing in the morning. Because mm. it's just, it, it makes it easier actually because you're not distracting. And then it's not like, oh no, I have to put the phone down or like one more thing I have to look at. It's like, it's just right. Yeah. And then now I can look at my phone. Mm. So. Definitely we're all guilty of it. I think, as journalists too it's nearly like oh we could update this we could do that you know like i've seen it obviously happen where you'd wonder do people actually put the phone down at all like or is it just glued to their hand you know because like it nearly worries me sometimes when people kind of message you back straight away and you're like are they just sitting looking at their phone you know and it's it's not just our generation either like i've seen it with say my mom's in her 50s like and her kind of friends and you know older and younger too like i just i think as much as social media is a good thing, like we do need to take out those breaks as well because like you can't be living in a virtual world either. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's we spoke about this last week. I think it's sort of it's constant advertisement. Like you're constantly being advertised too, and it's like it makes you feel less than. But if you actually put your phone down and look around you and see everything that you do have, yeah, I probably have more than you need in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely. it's important That's to sort true. of take a, a break from it every now and again. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite poet? Oh God, that's a good question. Now, I love Thomas Kinsella actually. Um, I, I can't like I have a couple of his books and that. I, it's more Irish poets I'd be interested in now, but there's definitely poet that performed at um, Joe Biden's inauguration. Like I think she is only like nineteen or twenty, and definitely like the more people kind of see poetry or see it perform maybe on like an arts program where, you know, like there's a good few kind of Dublin based. Um, poets as well that are really really good and it's just like as much as we kind of say the established people are who we look to like even say like the kind of Seamus Heaney WBH obviously I have loads of respect for them and everything but you know they're writing about a different time they're not writing about our time so you have to kind of be able to open your eyes and look for new poets like um, Lewis Kenny would be a friend of mine and he has um, he's done a good few bits of kind of RT and stuff he did actually a lovely one for Mother's Day you know, it was just Mother's Day there but if you can look him up like it's it's amazing like do you know what I mean and um I think when people are talking about their own community authentically like you, you can't deny that it's mm. it's brilliant yeah who's your favorite poet my favorite poet yeah. um uh who's your man who wrote the green eggs and ham wasn't that Zeus or it's after Zeus yeah he's my favorite, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> my favorite poet I don't know. I don't really know any poets. Oh, right. Rappers and stuff like that, but they're not poets. Oh, rock poetry, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, was, I mentioned like Allen Ginsberg before, um, just when you were talking about your poems. If you want to look, I don't know if you've heard of him. I assume, have you heard of him? Yeah? No. no? no. Okay. <laughs> um, ah, like he, he was involved in this movement called uh, Beat Poetry, and it's kind of like a mix between rap and poetry. But mm. if you have a look up, like it's just amazing. And there's like, there's a, I think there's a film about him as well. And um, it's it's just like what he was able to do with as in how he learned it off. I have no idea. Like his his if you look at his poem, like if say his if you look at his poems, it's more like an essay. <laughs> but the way he performs it, it just brings some to life. And just yeah, just look up Alan Ginsberg, and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, just uh, another, like you've traveled to, I was thinking through your, you, you've been in Reiki places, haven't you? Like uh, you've, you've had the opportunity pre-COVID obviously to-, to Yeah, I have, but I've actually never lived anywhere abroad. Like, so I think that's that's what I missed out was not li- living abroad. But like before the pandemic, obviously I would be getting up on Ryanair flights fairly regularly. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I discovered kind of solo traveling and mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't really something I would have done maybe when I was younger, but I, I met a lad in college and he kind of, he was a bit older than us, but he was in our class and he was in the writer's society with us. And he kind of said like, he'd go solo traveling and we all be kind of like, Jay's, what is he at? But, you know, it's actually, it is a way to con- consume the area. And like, you know, everywhere I've been, like I might say no to somebody and I was able to meet up with them for a day or, you know, go exploring somewhere with them. And like, I went to Vancouver and I had mates over there. So obviously I stayed with them and it was fantastic. But after I think it was 10 or 14 days, I went down to Seattle by myself. And kind of for the first day or two, you're like, oh, you know, I miss my mates. Why did I leave them? But then you kind of say like, listen, I'm on my own journey. And that's what you do. So did that, went to Seattle. And then I flew over to, um, let me think. Sorry, I'm trying to think my, what way I went. Yeah, so I went to Chicago then and like, Chicago was crazy like and I I was nearly like nervous being over there because I think on the first night I heard a gunshot and I was like why am I here by myself <laughs> and um, <laughs> like then like I kind of you kind of get used to it and I think it definitely builds your character and then on the last kind of trip of that trip I went to Toronto and I went to see the Niagara Falls and when I was kind of going on that trip I met two girls that were also like solo traveling and even we still have a group on on Instagram that we chat to. I, I heard from one of the girls there the other day about the um, interview with Megan and Harry, Megan and Harry, Megan and Harry. And uh, like I haven't seen her obviously since I, we were in Niagara Falls together. So like it's yeah. it's brilliant. I think it's it's definitely a way to maybe put yourself out of your comfort zone and see what happens. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I look like even I was meant to go to Malta last year and like I think my mom bought a ticket like a week before we meant to go. But I was going to do that myself as well, you know. Yeah. I don't know why like it's, it's, as well, in obviously if mates come with me that's fine yeah. but it's it's still another way to do things like certainly yeah it's more natural and you get to see the world from your own lens it's, you can do whatever you want as well yeah, you're not worried yeah. about oh well Mark doesn't want to go look at the art museum today yeah, wants to to <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely definitely yeah uh, it's good it's it's definitely a good way of doing things but like yeah. you know I wouldn't say one is better than the other as such you know yeah, reminds yeah. me of remember when we bumped into Shakira on uh, on the beach in Kilgarvan. Oh yeah, yeah. Kim Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> we were no way. later on the beach there in the summer, and uh, these two uh, Spanish ladies were living Spanish in a tent ladies. on the beach, and yeah. we interviewed them, and they yeah. told us their name was Shakira, and I don't believe her. Oh, no, I don't. Think <laughs> I'm sure there's other people in the world who are called Shakira that aren't to be Shakira, though. Like it's probably like a popular yeah, enough name. Yeah, she said. And there's plenty of Rihanna's walking around. You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure there's there's one in our own town here. Like <laughs> Rihanna, you probably yeah. know Rihanna, do you? Oh yeah, we know Rihanna. <laughs> no, but there's a local Rihanna, all right. Um, local Rihanna. <laughs> um, the Rihanna from the Rock, or Rihanna from the Rock. <laughs> Jenny from the Block, Rihanna from the Rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you've experienced with the journal as well. So, Kathy, like, uh, what are the hopes for the future? Are you hoping to become a, an editor of a national uh, establishment? Or are you going to blaze your own trail for? Oh, blaze my own trail. That sounds cool. Yeah, I suppose, like, I say, you know, I have 
I've only ever really lived in Ireland, so I would like to see how journalism is done, I suppose, elsewhere. But mm-hmm. I think with journalism, like your contacts and, you know, who you know and all that is actually, it's really important as much as I wish that it wasn't, it is. So I think I'm going to kind of establish myself here anyway and then see about what happens next. Like when I was 16, I wanted to write for the New York Times. So I suppose that childhood dream, I will hold on to that. Like, but it's like, I don't know, if you notice yourselves but like when you're writing you get like so much self-doubt as well but mm. you know you can't kind of lose sight of you know um what you're doing either because from my experience with all different jobs like I know I can kind of I will be all right wherever I end up if you get me and mm. um, you know you have to have trust in yourself too so like I love Gory, love Wexford and I've no real intentions of leaving like but I'm also like it, it, there is a restriction there too that you can only write about North Wexford and it has to have a North Wexford angle and so far is that can be limiting mm. and you kind of as in when you get the local angle and you can do the story great but like I hate when you get to a dead end of a story because you're like I've wasted my time I'm disappointed but like you have to be able to I suppose dust yourself off and get get going again but mm. it, it is hard now having to kind of know that you can't do that story when you want to <laughs> yeah yeah well, I hope you continue to silence that inner critic. And if I can say something, I normally end with a bit of a compliment or a guess. And mm-hmm. I have to say, one of the things that strikes me about you, Cathy, is you're a terrific writer and a very good, uh, very good knowledge of grammar because you can tell when someone knows uh, they're really? there from there and that type of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. so yeah. commend that because uh, that's a, that's a skill that you know you you don't. Uh, it's a it's a skill you know um, Thank you. Thank speaking you. of skill this man was pretty skilled kathy i crossed the line by leaving okay. and this man uh we're going to pick a page from this book uh, kathy would you like to pick a page number between one and Where's the last page? 288, I two, think. 288, yeah. Liam Dunn's autobiography by Damien Lawler, a fantastic sports journalist. He, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say 213. Ooh. I haven't had that one anyway. One, four, two, one, three. Okay, so we're fighting with the county board one minute and ourselves the next. We need enthusiasm for this now. The buzz has gone out of us and the setup is a stale, but it's down to us to get Wexford back on top. That's a good one. I like that name. Yeah. Thank you, Liam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I hope that one day you you, um, even write a book, Cathy. So, uh, oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the first copy, lads. You know, um, yes, yeah, like you may have heard me on Paper Tuesdays. At yeah. time. <laughs> we'll write the forward, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. As long as I can get a free hash, you know, I'm happy. When I'm oh, happy. yeah, we'll <laughs> see about that. I said the plug for the hats there, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Katty, and thank you for the write up. It was great, and it was a great help to us, and we really enjoyed it. It was a great day out if anything yeah. like and we do appreciate it <laughs> i know deadly well, nom- i'm really glad you decided to allow me to do that so because you were i say when we were talking at the time like you were on my list for a while and sometimes that list now people can go down the bottom and i was trying to make sure that that's happened to you so yeah, yeah. just as you say there's so many stories a week like it's you kind of have to prioritize as well you know but yeah. i think we got it right anyway we we're about so. to, scandal to get ourselves in the paper <laughs> <laughs> breaking for tuesdays inception like you know because obviously paper tuesday's got its name from the gory guardian so yeah that was something we've got our fame from the gory guardian (laughs) (laughs) exactly here the two worlds have collided for two Uh people in australia at the moment so we may as well give them a fine shout out to our loyal 
Nathan Doyle and Catherine Merrigan. So tell us about uh, the experience of uh, writing that article for them there last week about them. Yeah, it was brilliant. Like I've been friends with Catherine since secondary school, you know, and like even before they left for Australia, obviously, like I was hearing loads about this Nathan fella and we never got to meet, unfortunately. But the first time we met was doing that interview. So even I kind of said to him, like, I wish we were meeting on non-work terms. But um, yeah, no, like they, they've been kind of having a tough time at the minute. So I was delighted to just have a chat with them and get that article done and even kind of obviously we arranged it beforehand. And um, just like obviously I do talk to Catherine on Zoom a lot um, when she's over there. So it was just nice to kind of do it together. And even obviously when she saw it being over there, it's a connection to home. And she she thanked, like, she thanked me so so much for it. She was kind of like, oh, you know, the fact that we were just having a casual chat and you're able to write that. Like, you know, that's it means something when friends are happy. Like, <laughs> So, yeah, no, I love them. Like, I'm so glad they actually introduced me to this to this podcast. So I have a lot to thank, ah. you know. They've really changed my life. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Good stuff. Kathy, yeah. thanks very much. Thanks Kathy. so much. Not to bother. Thank you.